0: Amen. Come on in. So, every time we do this, I share a whole bunch of stories. And I think you've heard them all from my perspective. And that gets a little boring. So, this is uh, when we came to Canada, this was a family kind of thing. We didn't, it wasn't me alone. It was Amy and the kids and our adventure of trying to follow the Lord. And then God had many plans and many wonderful people in our path who joined this vision. So today, instead of me sharing a few stories, I asked Amy to come and share from her perspective uh, some testimonies of what God has done uh, for for Northgate in our vision. So come on up, Amy. Amy. And then we'll take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 3.
1: Good morning. Can you hear me? Yeah? Not used to this, but. Um, yeah, Dan just asked me to share. Um, <laughs> he's the communicator. I'm the, uh, yeah, and more of the sit in the background. Can I put this down? seems in my face. So good morning. It's wonderful to be with my family this morning, which you guys are. Um, Yeah, Dan asked me to share a little bit from my perspective of the history of um, the body here, what God has done. So I went back to my um, trusty rusty journal that I've been keeping since 2000 I think yeah it actually was in place of baby books I couldn't keep up with baby books um so I just decided to write a journal to my children so when I'm gone they can pull it out and read um what their childhood was like but it also has um the history of what uh what God did um in their lives and in our lives so I pulled that out and then I got lost in all the stories (laughs) I don't know if you ever do that but yeah it's wonderful um yeah, it's wonderful to be here. But um I'll just go through sort of what I what I wrote down. Um so yeah, I guess it kinda goes back to um yeah, February twenty-fourth in my journal. I had written down February twenty-fourth, two thousand four. Um yeah, I was expecting my sixth child and Dan we still had lots of little ones and they got up at night. My kids were not sleeping through or they were not always good at sleeping through the night but anyway um and so uh yeah february 24th i had written down that uh dan was up with gabriel because i letting me sleep he was up with gabriel and while he was up with him um the lord uh sort of started gave him a bit of a vision of uh of starting a school of discipleship um, in Canada. It was probably four years previous that, um, or four or five years previous that he had told me that I think God wants us to move to Canada. Um, and then as time went on, I was like, well, we're not moving, so just continue life here in New Jersey. And um, so, but yeah, he said, I, I think that God wants us to start a school of discipleship there at Silver Lake Wesleyan Camp. and uh, And so we... We got all excited, and we um, met with a friend of ours, a graphic designer, and he designed this little, which is on the front of the podium, this little um, symbol of a of a, a sunrise going through a river, which you can kind of see around here, right? It's it's typical uh, God's beauty around here, lots of rivers, lots of water, and um, anyway, yeah. So it started with that vision, so. We uh, started praying and God started providing everything we needed to move to Canada um, and so in April of 2005, we packed up our six kids and our dog that was given to us and our van and all our worldly possessions and um, we had probably a few hundred brochures for a school of discipleship at Silver Lake Wesleyan camp and uh, and yeah, and a vision from God uh, from Ezekiel 44 which Said he brought me way through the way of the North Gate, and so most of you know that. But um, so we got here, and we were like, ah, like for me personally, I was like, I don't know anybody here, um, and I'm living in somebody else's house, and it was it was hard. Um, at the beginning. And I just, when we were worshiping this morning, I thought of the verse, he puts the lonely in families. And I was really lonely when we moved. And God brought, and I'm so glad you guys are here. God brought Amy and Paul Goss um, and put us in their family and put their family in our family. And it really, um, really meant a lot to me. Like I yeah they um they were foundational and partly in me staying because <laughs> there were times i felt like moving back um but yeah i was very lonely and god provided them and they sort of came alongside uh, us and encouraged us and um yeah we we weren't going anywhere with the school of discipleship necessarily god was redirecting our path and so um in 2006 uh we had decided to rent this hall. Um, and at the time we weren't allowed to use upstairs. We met in the basement, which doesn't look like what it looks like now. It was, um, a little more sketchy. And, uh, anyway, we, we had our first morning service, um, at 1030, uh, here. Um, and I think, yeah, the Gosses, the Dows, us and our six kids, and, uh, Two, two token discipleship students that came from New Jersey. So Brian and Dave were their names. Anyway, so uh, that was our first service here. And uh, yeah, you for the first little bit, I kind of was like, what are we doing? Um, I was very, I struggled a bit. But uh, anyway, God kept bringing people. That's, I guess, the theme of my whole thing is like, God kept bringing people, these two discipleship students that came from New Jersey, and then um, in that time period, um, at the very beginning of the church, God kept bringing um, young people into our lives, and and they lived in our home and in the Goss' home, and we just spent time with these young people. We we ate with them, we walked with them, we talked with them, we prayed with them, we lived with them. and that was uh that was discipleship, so again, we were thinking more formal, God was thinking informal um and discipleship, I kind of just wrote down is a bit can be a bit of a cliche word, but um both Dan and I had people um disciple us. We had older people at a when we were probably the ages of eighteen, nineteen, really at a crucial age in our lives. We had older people that came in and said, "Hey." We would like to just invest in you. We would like you to come, spend time with us, talk with us, eat with us. Um, And we had that. Um, We had people invest in us when we were young. Um, And so that was our heart's desire, was to invest in other people in the name of Jesus. And, um, And so that was our heart. But how it looked changed over the years. So again, the school didn't necessarily happen, but young people started coming into our lives, living in our homes and being discipled. Um, and then, um, in late 2007, early 2008, um, for a couple of years, we ran two discipleship homes um, here in Perth. One was on North Street, the other was on South Street. Kind of funny, but um, yeah, those lasted for a little while. And that was just a time of—it uh, you know, was just a time of—it uh, was really rich time. I really, and, and it was a time of grounding, and, and it's where God knit us together with the people that we were with and um and really foundational um and some of them are still here and uh then those both sort of closed down and then the fall of 2013 so a lot of what happened in terms of discipleship had to do with where our family was at (laughs) because again we had lots of kids and for me i was sort of very consumed with that aspect of life not so much the ministry part and um and then, uh, so we were getting teenagers, and we were homeschooling at the time, and we saw the need for our teenagers to socialize. So we started um, a Northgate Educational Co-op, which was a means of discipling young people, um, again, teens, um, but still with the idea of discipling their hearts and um, And and educating them at the same time So that lasted for a few years And then God moved us on And our family on To um, attend Calvary Christian Academy Where our kids are going now Um, But in that time period too We also ran a few family camps That happened at Silver Lake Wesleyan Camp Um, And that was like family discipleship In a way Like uh, families came together Spent time together for a period of time And worked and ate together And really uh, got to know each other and, uh, and then in the fall of 2016, um, we started renting the prayer house um, over on 24 North Street. And, uh, yeah, and that's been a place where God has brought some internationals into our lives. Like, we're just these uh, very, yeah... I wouldn't call Perth an international town, necessarily. <laughs> it's, there's lots of wonderful people, but not necessarily different cultures. and, and uh, But he started bringing... Um, he brought Carter, was the first guy from Sudan. And then we've had two guys from Iraq. And then we've had Germans come in and out of uh, our lives and spend time in the prayer house. If you look on the wall, there is German written on the wall <laughs> in there. Um, so different cultures started... He started bringing people... Um, uh, in terms of discipling people from other nations. And he has, uh, made that house a house of prayer for all nations. That was when I first started going into the prayer house, um, to spend some time. That was a verse that he really showed me clearly was that this would be a house of prayer for all nations. And he's been faithful to do that. Um, and so that's a bit of the chronological history of, uh, the body here. And, uh, and then I just wanted to share briefly just some of the promises that we kind of have clung to in the last twelve years so yeah it 's been twelve almost thirteen years that we have been meeting here. Um, one of the promises is that he would provide, so when we moved we didn 't have an income really, um, and uh, God just miraculously provided and in all sorts of ways and then um and then we learned about the baby bonus when we got here after (laughs) we're like oh wow we didn't know that existed and anyway so yeah the government has been a big uh funder of our uh ability giving us the ability to stay here to live here and to minister here um and uh and then he's provided faithfully um for this church like for all, all the needs um and then another promise was, I will bring the people. And again, like I said, he kept bringing discipleship students, like people who were interested to come spend time with us, which, um, yeah, we thought, why would anybody want to, why would anybody want to do that? But, um, and then I just want to share one quick story of when we first started meeting in the fall of 2006, um, we didn't have that sandwich board out there that said there was a church here. We didn't have any sort of advertisement. Um, we were just the Knights of Columbus Hall, right? And maybe a, a few cars parked around it on a Sunday morning, which w- isn't really unusual. And, um, and there was, uh, we were meeting in the basement again, so it was dark up here. All the lights were off. Um, there might have been some lights down the stairs. And then, so at 10.30, right before we're starting, bless you, um, right before we're starting, um, this woman walks in, and uh, I had never met or seen her before, and, I, and she walks in, she's kind of looking around, and she's like, is this a church? And uh, we were like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, this is a church, yeah, come on in, it's fresh blood, right? <laughs> we're like, anyway, and um, so she came in, she, she asked me specifically, is this a charismatic church? And I kind of fumbled through, like, uh, well, uh, I don't know. What, like, I, I, like, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe he's active and working today. But, you know, we're affiliated with Calvary Chapel and we were, anyway. Um, and then she just spent the time with us and worshipped with us. And I think maybe there were 20 people, maybe 15. And um, and then I afterwards I was like, how did you know we were here? And um, she said, the Lord brought me here. The Holy Spirit directed me here. And she said she was out of, she was from five hours away. Her name was Ray. She was from five hours away visiting her mom here in Perth, was a believer, wanted to go to church, started heading to one of the churches that was clearly a church, and um, started pulling in the parking lot. And she said, God, the Holy Spirit just said, keep going down the road. And so, and then, like, just really just directing her, saying, turn left, turn right, right? So she. Um, ended up here and then when she got here she was like there is no evidence of a church here and she came in and um, yeah that's why she asked is this a church what's going on here but um, that for me was really big because I was like okay okay you want us here we're doing the right thing and I just needed those confirmations um, over and over and Bob Cameron coming was another one of those because I was like I was, uh, I was like, okay, what are we doing? And then Bob came one Sunday. And so, and then young people for discipleship and then all of you, he brought you here, right? Like I, I didn't do anything to, um, coerce people or, yeah, I mean, except inviting, but he brought you guys here. And, um, so he's been faithful and he'll continue to be faithful to bring people, um, the other promise he said is i will save many and i think dan shared this story before but i don't know if he shared the vancouver part so before we even started services in october of 2006 he and i went to a calvary chapel pastors conference in vancouver um together and um yeah it was just a bunch of it was a great weekend vancouver's beautiful and uh, we uh spent some time there but they were in a worship time there was a several prophecies given and, and words spoken like anyway yeah there was and one of them was about how god was going to do a mighty work in canada and save many people and um and so we're listening and we're thinking you know there's lots of pastors and pastor's wives there and we're thinking they're all thinking that was for them right like (laughs) or for their church or whatever but and we kind of didn't really want to say it to each other but I was like did you hear that and did you did you think And, and he was like yeah I did like both of us were like wow I really felt like God said that was for you and I'm like and again, like, we hadn't started the church, and we only knew a handful of people in Canada at the time. But um, anyway, so a few years later, we asked God to confirm it. And I, this is the part I know Dan has shared where my father, um, we said, Okay, Lord, if this is you, and you want us to keep, you know, um, praying this direction, not that we shouldn't, but um, could you confirm it? And that's when my father called or emailed one morning and just said he had had a dream about a like revival happening here. And my dad lives in New York State. Um, he visits here and there. but So I will save many. Another promise of God. Um, and then uh, the last few things I wanted to share. Were just sort of words that I felt like. And Dan has that God has given us. Um, one of them was build on grace. Um, more of a word from God than a promise. Um, teaching us more and more through the years. That this is his work. That that no matter whether we do things right or wrong, um, this is his work. He, this is his heart. This is his church. This is his body. And uh, and that he would use, um, yeah, I remember specifically one time he showed me his lineage, the lineage of Jesus. And if you look at the lineage, lineage of Jesus, it's not perfect. There's a few um, people that you're like, hmm, why would God choose this person to be in the lineage of his son, right? Like, um, and you can do that for homework, but it's, uh, God uses the broken and the weak things of this world and just to continue to build in grace and depend on grace. Um, the other thing was to pray, <laughs> hence the prayer house that we opened, um, to have a house that could be set aside for people to use to pray, including us. And, um, Matthew 21:13 again, I, that was uh, one of the words he gave me when I prayed there, one of the first times, was "My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations." And again, he kept bringing different people from different nations to pray there. And um, yeah, and even our women's Bible study this week had a girl from Mexico in it. I was like, "Wow, another nation!" But anyway, God is so faithful. So, um, and then now and into the future, uh, I had shared um, on the on the prayer house wall Ezekiel forty seven nine. Um, is just a, a verse that God gave me um, from that saying that He was going to send rivers that would bring uh, rivers of living water that were going to bring to life a very great multitude of fish and heal them. It's a paraphrase of Ezekiel 47 9. Um, but that was just a word uh, for me, a word picture. I like to think in word pictures um, of. A river, um, and again, we have a river in our little it 's not like we planned any of that, but it was just a river that he a river of life, a river of people, and you guys are those people. Um, you guys are the river of people that is that is um, going out and uh, john Dan shared John twelve thirty two um, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself was another one that he had me praying for a, a period of time, and just a promise that as we do in our lives lift him up he he's the one that draws people to himself and we just have to be faithful to stay close to him and then um last winter uh, just in worship too he just said very clearly i am raising up an army of people for myself and i am sending them out like a flood on a dry and thirsty land and like i said that's you guys um that's not dan and i <laughs> we're part of that but um, that's you guys. The, you guys are the army that are being raised up by the Lord, and um, and it doesn't include just Northgate. Um, there are other soldiers out there in other churches that we're working together with. Um, but yeah, just to be encouraged that He is doing it. Like I know we talk sometimes about revival being something in the future, but I see it more as something that's happening now. Um, I see it as, and when I pray, he says, I am doing it. I am doing it. I am doing it, right? Just in the present tense. And so, um, yeah, that's just my heart for the future, is just to sit back and enjoy watching what he does. Because, um, yeah, he's been faithful in the past. He's faithful today. And he will be uh, faithful into the future. And um, as we continue to trust him and love others, In the name of Jesus. And so I'm just really thankful for you guys. For the whole body here. Because again like. Yeah it's all the Lord. It's all him bringing people to himself. And as as we're uh, just lifting him up. And spending. um, Spending our days in praise with him. He does the work. And we just get to. As like children. Watching your father work. You're like whoa. Look what he can do. So, I'm excited about that. So, that's all I have to share this morning. Thank you for listening. And uh, bye.
0: Thank you, Amy. So, church is people, right? Amen. Not Dan and Amy, it's you, as we've heard. The people, the church is people, not this building. You know how much we love it. I wasn't loving it this morning when it smelled like alcohol and cigarettes, but it's a, it's a nice building, nice curtains, you know. And when we first saw those curtains, I thought we were in heaven. Just kidding. <laughs> okay, anyways, church is people. And um, just wanted to share like five minutes. You know, this is, we just want you guys to be knowledgeable for those who are new, that this just didn't happen. You know, a lot of times people do church surveys where, where should you do church plants? We've just tried to follow the, follow God. That's, that's all we've tried to do. And we believe that God is always faithful. But who is qualified to serve? Because if the church is people, people need to serve one another, right? Amen. And really, church is just you. Helping each other, blessing each other with your gifts, and edifying one another. Right? That's what churches. We come and glorify God. You have a gift, you use it, no matter what it is, and uh, you bless other people in that. And then we're strengthened to do the work of the ministry. And I thought it was interesting. And I'm not going to get into a deep teaching, but the thought in First Timothy three, in the book that we're in. Um, If you read that first verse, it's a good thing. He says, if you desire to be an overseer, it's a good thing. But I would extend that. If you desire to be a servant of the Lord, whatever capacity, an overseer, or just a deacon, a servant, uh, a deacon, or an elder, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Amen. To bless one another, to serve one another. We know in Ephesians 4.12, it says, God gave gifts and offices to the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministering, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's church, right? So people are giving gifts and offices. And what they do is they pour into each other so they can do the work of the ministry. And then we all go out and do it together. And we are a lot more powerful when we work as a unit, each in our place, building each other up for God's glory. And I think, as Amy said, one of the greatest things we've seen in the maturity of the church is, I would call, body ministry. And people say, oh, how's the church going? And I'm like, I think it's going well. And I say, I feel like I'm doing less and less. Isn't that great? And it wasn't effective when I was doing more, but it's more effective when you do more. And as people use their gifts, it is an amazing thing and you see God's work really take shape no matter who I talk to no matter how many people are here with ice storms or maybe it's a low season I know God's gonna work because he's promised that and it's a good thing to serve him and to be a servant it made me think well who can be a servant because sometimes we think I don't know it's kind of silly but I have to be qualified right and what are the qualifications then for service and how can you be a deacon or if you want to be an elder what does that look like and in a couple weeks we'll get into first timothy three but one of the greatest things i've seen is it's not ability it's character so you might say well i haven't been to bible school or i don't know much about the bible the question is have You accepted the love of Jesus, and are you maturing and growing in Him? Not what degree you have, not what ability you have, but is Jesus real in your life, and is He working? And I always remind myself, He uses the foolish things of this world. Amen? I remember going to a meeting once, I was telling Margie and Joe they were over, and I was encouraged in the meeting to get more education. And they said, really, you in the psychological realm or the counseling realm, you really need more education. I was up against some tough situations and I didn't really know what to do. And I was really encouraged. And I kind of, you know, you kind of feel the pressure of people in the meeting. And I'm like, yeah, I got to go back to school. Like, I don't know what it is, Bible school or something. But specifically, it's like, I got to get some sort of a degree in psychology. Like, this is just too much. And now people are telling me to do it. And I'm getting pounded in this meeting. I don't have education, whether it's right or wrong. And I'm like, i got to get more education in psychology. And I was driving home. And it was the weirdest moment. Because God said, you already have a degree in psychology. I was like, holy smokes, I do. I didn't even realize I have a degree in psychology. And I thought, what? I still don't know anything. They're telling me to get a degree, I already have one, and I still don't know what I'm doing. I have a Bachelor of Science in Education and Psychology, and it was just like, I totally forgot I even had it. (laughs) And they're like, you gotta get, I got it, like, they're like, you have to have a degree, and I'm like, I do have one. (laughs) But I felt so helpless in knowing what to do, you ever felt like that? And all you got is God, no matter the education. And you're just like, I don't really know how to do this. And I've, <laughs> I've had times at the door when new people come, and what Bible school did you go to? And uh, just like, well, um, um, I have a degree in psychology. <laughs> I don't tell them I have a degree in physical education because they'd say a gym teacher is a pastor. It's not our education, Amen and in first timothy three it's not about academic learning and i'm not at all saying that's a bad thing it's wonderful you know I, i do have that degree but the greater thing is are we available today to serve one another in love are you available are you working on your character are you desiring to please the lord you know and we can look at through those things and not be given to alcohol and handles money well and not trying to control people. And those are things we learn as we mature in Christ. And, you know, those are the things God looks at is hearts that desire to follow him, that love him, that love people. And that's what will continually make a fruitful church. It's hearts that say, it's not about me and what I can do. God, it's about you and what you can do. It's about your word. It's about prayer. It's about fellowship, right? It's about putting Jesus first and foremost in everything that we do. And I think no matter where we are, God will bless that. Do you believe that his word does not come back void? And this is what he says in his word. That's what a church is. They pray together. They know his word together they open up together they have true fellowship right and it's all about jesus and that's what we desire here and we believe that god's working and i just want to encourage you whether you think you're qualified or not is not the question the greater question is are you growing and available to be used by jesus are you distracted by the things of life? Are you just saying, no matter what I do, no matter what profession I am, I'm going to say, God, use me today, whatever I do. I want to be used for your glory. And I believe that God will do that in you and me. Again, David was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. Both of them broke in waiting, allowing Christ to do it. The disciples were fishermen. And tax collectors. And all they could say about them was, you're uneducated men. But we know that you have been with Jesus. Twelve men that turned the world upside down. Women who turned the world upside down. Who were fishermen and tax collectors. That's what, where they were. But they were just like, we have been with Jesus. And our whole desire of discipleship with Amy mapping that out and God did that and we got ahead of ourselves and behind ourselves. But discipleship is simply this, being with Jesus. What does disciples do? They were just with him. They were with him. And that's what qualifies you, is that Jesus is the one ruling and reigning in your life. And being with him, you are qualified to do his work wherever you are. So what is the structure of Northgate? The body does the work. That's it. The body does the work. There are some overseeing leaders who make sure things are in direction. Some elders in a board to make sure they're in direction. But they're all trying to just oversee the work done by the body of Christ. Who is available and ready to go. We don't have a lot of committees. Number one, we don't have enough Time for committees. But we want people. Who will just serve Jesus. And love Jesus. And turn the world upside down. For Jesus. Same he said he's always provided. With story after story. Where you get down to zero. And he's faithful. He's faithful. Do you guys know he's faithful. And he will never ever let you down. And he wants to use. Each and every one of you. In your gift for his glory amen so i had this idea since we're a body and this is the work of the body and it's not about dan or amy or elders and i was gonna introduce all the leaders but i'm like well this is body ministry right this is all of us we don't i don't want you to think in an order i want you to think that we're a team together working right so i met with uh terry the other day, and he said he was in Toronto and he went to church and he's like, Man, that church was crazy. When they prayed, they all prayed together, and they just got like in this big huddle. And I was like, Whoo, that's crazy. Really? We don't sit in our little seats and so I was like, Oh, I, I think that would be great just for us to know that we're in this together. And you might feel a little uncomfortable, but that's okay. I know when we did a little small group prayer, everyone got a little, ooh, this is weird. I just want to pray together. I meant together. So I'm going to ask each and every one of you, unless you really want to have a fit and go to the bathroom, that's okay. I'm just joking. I shouldn't have said that. Sorry, Lord. Sometimes I just say stuff I shouldn't say. Anyways, let's all come up together. Right? Yeah, it's okay. Come out of your seats. Come up to the front. And I kind of want, yeah, come on up just to the front. Lay a hand on someone on their shoulder. I just want to take five minutes to pray together as you're led that God would use us together for his glory. Yeah, just kind of make a circle here. Come on in. Come on, Owen. Bring it in, buddy. And then people say, oh, I can't hear people pray. Well, now you can hear people pray, right? Right. Yeah, come on in. We're all a family. Amen. Amen. Yeah, come on, O'Shea's. Bring it in. This is so great. If you really don't like someone, just go to the other side. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're so glad. Um, Mike, why don't you just start us off and I'll close. And anyone who just wants to pray for God's work. And that he would unify us and knit us together in love.